What's going on, FA Nation? Welcome back. This is the Fantasy Alarm NASCAR DFS podcast, and I am Dan Malin. I am joined, as always, by our NASCAR or our FSWA two-time NASCAR Writer of the Year, three-time NASCAR Writer of the Year. Sorry, man, I'm selling you stuff. I'm selling you short on this Friday. It's a brutal start. Uh, but we are uh, previewing Bristol this week. We are recording right now uh, during the Xfinity Series race. Uh, Matt, how are you doing? How excited are you for Bristol? Uh, I'm very excited. Uh, A, I love watching the Bristol race unfold. Uh, It always just seems to have excitement everywhere you look on the track. And then on top of that, we get tire news. Yeah, that's right. I'm nerding out about tire news because we actually may have tire fall off this week uh, based on Goodyear bringing a new right side tire to the track. And then we also found out that next year, there's two concrete races at Bristol. No more Bristol dirt. Don't have to worry about that. It was fun while it lasted. Thank God it's not on the schedule anymore. Um, I'd say it was fun for one year. The first year was not fun because the single file restarts screwed it up. Yeah, because yeah, that's true. They were making up the and then there was flooding the second year, which wasn't great. And then this year was a pretty good, pretty awesome dirt race, but. Uh, I, I'm fine. If they want to bring it back for like the clash or as my wife suggested, the all-star race, I'll never do it again. <laughs> <laughs> then that's, as long as it's not a points paying race, then that's fine. Um, all right. So we are, uh, we're still in the playoffs. Uh, Tyler Reddick gets a win and this is the final round of the six round of 16, correct? Correct. This is an elimination race on Saturday night. So the bottom four in points at the end of the race uh, will be eliminated, which right now, could be the regular season champion. How worried are you that Martin Truex Jr. could get bounced? Pretty worried. Really? His numbers are not good here. We will talk about that in a little bit. But yeah, this is statistically speaking, perhaps his worst track in the postseason. All right. Well, this is statistically one of my worst tracks for TFS. <laughs> uh, and I know how to build lineups here, and we'll we'll get to that shortly. Uh, I, I know the strategy. I know the importance of dominators because there's going to be 500 laps, uh, which means there's about 300 to 330 dominator points available. If I had to guess, uh, we're not going to get a full 350. No. Um, but it's just this is it's a really fun race to watch just because it's a short track, so the laps are just ticking by. Technically, a very difficult track. Like you have to yes. be perfect here. You cannot afford a mistake. Uh, you can probably, <laughs> as one elite driver discovered in qualifying, yes, uh, you can lose one lap and you have an okay chance of getting it back, but you cannot lose multiple laps. You cannot afford to have a pit road issue. Uh, you you need to run a perfect Bristol race uh, to win here. Yes. Um, so why don't you give us a breakdown of uh, Bristol Motor Speedway, the bank, <coughs> all that good stuff. Yeah, so it is a half-mile track. It is not covered in dirt this time. It is actually covered as normal concrete. It is also highly banked, uh, which makes it the world's fastest half-mile. It's also known as the Last Great Coliseum. It's also known as Thunder Valley. This track may have the most nicknames on the schedule. It's either that or Darlington, one of the two. Um, it's just a great. It's just a great racetrack. And you are correct. There's 500 laps. They will go by in a hurry to give you an idea. Pole qualifying speed was 15.107 seconds for a half mile. So they're not going to be racing at that speed. The practice speeds were in the 15.4 range. But either way, you're clicking off quite a few laps every minute. So 
Um, but like you said, you got to be perfect, right? You can't have any off-cycle pit stops. You can't go back because you have a loose wheel. Um, you know, pit road speed, pretty slow, even though it's a short pit road. Under green, they can pit on the side of pit road that their pit is on. Because if you're unfamiliar with this, pit road is split here because it's not long enough to have everybody on one side of it, right? So under green, you can enter pit road on the side in which your pit is under caution. Everybody enters the same way, and then you loop around until you get to your pit. So, you know, it it also tends to be fairly caution-filled. Uh, four out of the last 11 races here have had at least 11 cautions, including... It makes sense breaks. if you think about it, right? Like, it's a short track. You obviously, you know... You, Somebody gets loose, they're caution. collecting a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, and so you, you're really just trying to avoid the the pileups. There's no runoff here. Uh, right. There's really nowhere for the cars to go. Uh, so it makes sense that there's there's such an uptick in cautions. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> also, new tires might we might see some more cautions because we do have new right side tires, which Goodyear is hoping will induce more tire fall off. Not that they will fall off the car, but that lap times will drop. As, you know, the longer they run, the lap times will get longer. So tire management is a thing here, kind of like it is at, say, Homestead. Um, so that should be, that should bring a fun element. Uh, you know, maybe induce some more pit stops rather than just running until a caution happens. All right. Now, when we talk about dominators for the race, we talk dominators every week almost. You know, we'll talk about how they don't really matter for road courses. We'll talk about how they're kind of a crapshoot for super speedways. But this is a short track with 500 laps. So obviously, dominators right. are going to be key. Um, <clears throat> now, in this next gen car, I think we've only really seen one, I guess, true single dominator race at a short track and i want to say it was martin truex jr earlier this year i forget the track but it feels like he did lead like between 115 200 laps do you think that we get that kind of race here or is this a confident you know you need two to three dominators and to get as many of those laps led as possible yeah so statistically speaking and i do put this in the intro to the playbook i have a new uh table well it's not new i've been using it but i haven't shown it to people so now i'm showing it to people so you all get to enjoy this. That um, breaks down key stats from the last five Bristol Concrete races. And uh, historically speaking, over the last four races here, there have been at least two drivers to lead 100 or more laps in each race. There's been two with two drivers to do that. There's been two with three. So we're going to kind of build around a two-dominator race. And sprinkle in some three dominator races because or uh, lineups because 500 laps are on the table. You need every bit of them to get uh, high scores, especially on DraftKings. FanDuel, it's much more important that you get the guys who finish the race uh, and finish on the lead laps because there's 50 uh, laps completed points available here for FanDuel because you get a tenth of a point for every lap you complete. So if your guy completes Every lap, yeah. you get 50 points for that, for just that guy. Um, yeah. So, you know, that being said, there have also been an average of four drivers a race to top 50 laps led here. So we're talking two to three that lead 100, and we're talking four that lead 50. So, you know, th that kind of gives you the lay of the land here. 
How do you approach position differential? Because we talk about how easy it is for drivers to lose the lead lap. Um, Correct. By and, the way, statistically, only 13 a race finish on the lead lap here over the last five. Uh, my next question was going to be how, how many drivers do you think finish on the lead lap and how many drivers do you think finish multiple laps down? I know for the last couple of Xfinity Series races, uh, about half the field has finished multiple laps down. Uh, I think for the last couple, 13 or 14 drivers finished on the lead lap. So it's kind of on par with the cup series race. So I am yeah. curious to see like, you know, how deep in the field might be too deep. Um, you know, cause obviously like Kyle, we're going to talk about Kyle Larson. Obviously he's, right. he's an easy PD play because he could easily work his way to the front as time progresses and lead laps later in the stage. So he's going to be chalking no matter what, but you know, are there going to be other drivers? Like, are, are you okay starting two guys starting outside the top 25? Because conventional wisdom says if we're looking back at previous personal races, most of the top scores come from, well, the best ones come from inside the top 10, but you're usually getting two or three dominators there. But you can also find really good PD plays that are starting inside the top 25 that still can finish inside the top 10. Uh, so, when I look at this data, I'm thinking I don't really need to start too many drivers starting in the back, but then Kyle Larson goes ahead and screws the pooch in qualifying and there, now he's starting dead last. He did. He got a little too low. He kind of put his car halfway on the apron and halfway on the banking. That usually doesn't result in speed to the point where he legitimately qualified dead last. And his crew chief uh, got on his radio afterwards and he just goes, that was really bad. That was the only thing Cliff Daniels could tell him on the radio was that was really bad. The thing I like about him and Cliff is that uh, they don't sugarcoat anything. It seems like it's, no. it, they, they, there's a very just open line of communication. Um, it's one of the brighter, radio one of the brighter notes is just uh, like when Larson had that awful first half of the state of, you know, the Coke 600. 400, yeah, Coke 600, yeah. A couple of years ago. And, you know, Larson literally caught on fire. Car caught on fire, and Cliff Daniels, like, just talks to him. He's like, hey, man, you're still a great driver. Like, we'll get back. Like, it's just two buddies that seem to be talking. And so when, you know, something like that happens in qualifying, he's just like, that was terrible. But we'll move on. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing else to say, right? So getting back to your original Can I question. one more question on Larson? Sure. Because he's, he's already locked into the next round because he won at Darlington. Correct. Um, do you think this is just kind of like – you know, he just says, screw it. Let's just see what I like. Do you think he's actually gonna still put in a ton of effort? I mean, you got to go out and you got to run 500 laps. Do you think that, you know, he's, he knows he's locked in. Is there less pressure on his part? Well, so a, I don't think it's in him to just go cruise around. Sure. Like it, that's not a Larson thing to do. Right. He's also not going to just sit there behind J.J. Yaley all night. That's not going to happen. That's going to drive him nuts. Um, and honestly, I think he's of the mindset that, hey, if I get enough points or I shift some people backwards, I could get rid of some, some folks that are tougher competition later in the playoffs. Like, if Truex gets eliminated, there are some very good tracks for Truex coming up. But if he's eliminated... That doesn't matter, right? Um, same thing with, like, Kevin Harvick, Mr. Consistent. He's right now in the playoffs, but he's seven points to the good. So 
you know, I, I think he's going to try to move up. Can he win from 36? I don't think so. Like, we literally have never seen it. Um, can he move up and have a good DFS day? Yes. A hundred percent the case. Is he going to be the highest played dude? Probably. Do you just kind of lock him in for cash games or would you rather yes. be trying? Okay. Or, because if D, you can still build a cash Because if it kills you in cash games, his ownership's like 95%. So everybody's going to get screwed if he has a problem. In GPPs, I think you take the opposite approach. I think you try to get – you're either way underweight on him or you're way overweight on him. So that if he makes it to, let's say, the top 10 and has a phenomenal day, you're overweight on the field and you gain spots. But if he wrecks out like is possible and he's done before at Bristol starting better than 36, or he gets – let's say he doesn't even wreck out – Let's just say he can't move up as fast as people expect and he gets stuck a lap or two down and then he has to pit. And then... Because if you he, think about it, he does... We've already talked about how you need to run a perfect race to win here. And so he would still have to move up through the field, avoid right. wrecking, not have any pit road penalties for like speeding, a, a crew member over the wall. Um, so, I mean, there is a lot working against him, but he's still one of the best drivers in the field like he most certainly can move up but i don't i don't hate the idea if this was any other track where there weren't 500 laps and dominator points weren't didn't weigh so heavy it might make sense just to play him in every lineup and go significantly overweight for bristol just because i'd rather spend up for in the, okay in the well so here's for dominator points so here's a thought. A, a, a few races ago, Bubba Wallace started 36th at Bristol. He finished 10th. It was the 2021 or the 2020 race, one that Brad Keselowski won from the pole, sort of. Like he started on the pole and then dropped back and then got back to the win. Bubba started 36th. He finished 10th. Didn't have any fastest laps. Didn't have any laps led. 500 lap race. He put up 60 points on DK. Larson is going off at 11.5 on DK, so you basically get 5x value if he pulls that off. Right, but Bubba wasn't 11K for his race, though. No, he wasn't. But I'm just saying, he started in the exact same spot that Larson is starting, 36th, and he finished 10th, so it's possible. And he put up 60 points without any dominator points. There was no fastest laps. There was no laps led in that race. Which, by the way, impressive. You moved up 26 spots and didn't get a fastest lap. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, there's no way Bubba was that that much. But I'm just saying based on Larson's cost and what the score would be if he pulled that off, you get basically 5x value. But that's a that's a pretty big task. Yeah. To do to do it, I mean, you need chaos to happen because in that race, you also had Kozlowski won it from the pole, but then you had twenty third, twenty fourth, fifteenth, twentieth, thirty fifth, and thirty sixth starting positions in the top ten. So you had chaos, and people took advantage of it. That's what you need for. <clears throat> now that being said, talking about the position differential question that you asked about. You do get a decent amount of double-digit position differential plays in each race. 
on average over the last five, there have been 8.4 double-digit positive PD plays per race. So roughly a quarter, just under a quarter of the field moves up about 10 spots or more. That's not terrible. The problem becomes well, it's actually it's, it's act, that number is actually higher than I would have guessed. Correct. Yeah. Right now, I also do a stat called top ten finish percentage, in which I look at the guys who started outside the top twelve, but finished inside the top ten. Do this for every week. On average, forty six percent of the top ten finishers at Bristol start outside the top twelve. So roughly half of the top 10 is moving into the top 10 and not just rearranging themselves. Uh, apologies if you can hear any noise that's coming in from outside my apartment. It's it's clearly open mic night at the bar outside my place. Uh, but <laughs> with, with that said, do you want to start previewing the drivers and uh, just who we like, who who we might find leverage on or against? And as I'm saying this, Dale Earnhardt Jr. is leading the Xfinity Series race. This Let's go. Let's go. Uh, by the way, to finish your last year in the next-gen car in this race, the fall race, you had 12 drivers, the top 12, finished with on the lead lap. Then you had Kozlowski, who started 10th and finished 13th, finished one lap down after leading 100-plus laps. Then Briscoe finished 14th and was two laps down. And then you had people three laps and four laps. So, in general, it's unusual to see, like, the, the race before that, the top 19 finishers were all on the lead lap, and then you had two guys one lap down. That's an unusually high number of lead lap finishers, to be mm -hmm. perfectly honest, because usually you get one, get one or two cars that are just so fast they just lap <laughs> People left, right, and sideways. Um, and to give you an idea, like, yeah, there's been as few as six lead lap finishers in the last five races and as many as 22. But the average is 13. All right. Well, we have about 10 minutes left, so we'll just uh, rapid fire our way through this one. Sorry to give you the whole spiel on Bristol Motor, Motor Speedway, but lineup construction and lineup theory plays a big role uh, for Saturday night's race. Yes, but and you'll you'll see some more interesting stats when you read the playbook. I uh, have the intro done. There's some pretty interesting stats I've broken down. Not going to give them out here. Going to make you read the content. Uh, we have a pair of Joe Gibbs racing drivers on the – we've already talked about Kyle Larson. I'm just going to skip over him. But Correct. Denny Hamlin and Christopher Bell are on the front row. Christopher Bell <laughs> is the only driver in the history of NASCAR to win the pole in each of the first three races of the playoffs. Now, we've hyped up the pit crew. He did get Ty Gibbs' pit crew to start the playoffs. Uh, hasn't come done, in handy for him, though. It really hasn't done much because no. he started first last week, finished eighth with only what looks like – not even 10 dominator points. Yeah, he had like a um, handful of laps led. Yeah. At Darlington, he finished outside the top 20 despite leading 40 laps. So I'm willing to go back to the well just because in terms of track position, and you made a note on this, I think track position is everything for Bristol. If you have the lead in the pole, you can clearly run out for run out front for the entire first stage. Um, but also Denny Hamlin starting right next to him does give me some concern because Denny – has plenty of experience here. He's won here. Uh, he can easily get around. His and, car and was also yeah. faster over the long run than Bell's. Um, and there's not much separating the two because 
Seabell uh, landed on the pole at like 15.109, and Denny ran a 15.117. So you're talking eight hundredths of a second, which is very small margins. Um, yeah, um, I'm obligated to put Christopher Bell in the playbook because he's a pole sitter at Bristol, but play him at your own risks. Folks, going into last week, it was the fourth time he was on the pole this season. Now it'll be the fifth. In the previous four races he was on the pole, his average finish is 24 and a quarter. Uh, running at the 10K and then even into the 9,800 range, I'm actually stunned with some of the pricing this week. I can't believe that both RFK drivers are above 9K. I can kind of get it with Busher. I don't understand how Kislowski is 9,800, but... He's been he has been almost as good as Busher. I will yes, I did notice that. Uh, but for a driver who hasn't won in the next gen car uh, and who did come on strong later in the season, yes, he's trending good right now, but I am still surprised that you know he's five hundred dollars more than his teammate or his employee or both. <laughs> um, you know he's five hundred dollars more than Busher and Busher has three wins this year and Kislowski has nothing. And Busher won this race last year. He did win this race, and he dominated it, too, leading about 170 laps. Um, it is interesting to see Kislowski that much higher 9, than, like what? than Busher. But I will say that uh, if you look over the last 12 similar races, which, by the way, let's specify, I'm talking about intermediate races. Why intermediates at Bristol? Because none of the short tracks compare with it. And they're running the intermediate package on the cars this week. They're not running the short track wet tire package. They're running the intermediate package. So we're going to look at intermediate tracks. Over those last 12, they have <laughs> very similar records, aside from the fact that Busher's got a win <laughs> or two. Um, they have pretty pretty similar records. So I would imagine that Busher's was the more popular of the two of those. Simply given his success, he also won here last year. Um, also, Kislowski didn't look great. It was weird. It was a weird practice for Kislowski because he didn't run all that many laps and he wasn't all that fast when he ran them. And then he went went out and qualified like sixth. But I, I think there's some very interesting spots here to, to pick on in the mid tier. To be honest, I, I completely agree. Uh, sorry, uh, Sheldon Creed just spun Austin Hill, his teammate, <laughs> Xfinity race. It's the Xfinity race. These guys, don't yeah, know I, the I know. Like, this That's is Ty they're all still in the Xfinity series. Ty Gibbs ran his teammate off the track at Mark, except for Daniel Hemrick. I don't get how he's back in the cup series. I feel like because Justin Haley signed with the wrong team. I don't, I don't know. Oh my god, uh, we, this, this podcast and this show is just derailed for bristol uh but kevin harvick 9500 great history uh at this track i think he's led over a thousand laps in his career i mean granted he's raced here like seventy nine thousand times <laughs> uh but he's 9500 he's p21 he's kind of like a king of top tens um yep. you kind of have to feel okay about it but i also feel like you don't land on a ton of kevin harvick if you're paying up for two dominators that are more expensive Right. That's the weird that's the weird part. Because if we start to build this, right, and you go, okay, I'm gonna lock in Larson because I'm just eating chalk, right? And then you go, Well, I trust Denny Hamlin more than I trust Christopher Bell. 
Okay, well, now we're all... Those two dudes on DK mean you have an average of $6,800 per spot left. And there's still four spots to fit in. So it's kind of an interesting spot because if you add Harvick to that mix, you're down to less than 6 k per spot left, which you don't want to be in. So <laughs> it's kind of like a you got to look for a cheaper dominator option if you want to slot Kevin Harvick into your lineup. Oh, I got a juicy dominator option that's cheaper. Okay. Give me Ty Gibbs. Yes. Fast in practice. Like, fast in a lot of metrics. Like, if you look at the, yes. the chart that Ryan with iFantasy Racing uh, that he tweeted out, Ty Gibbs was like, I think he was second fastest in, in like... Here, I'll tell you, because I got the... I, I put together the same chart, so let's, like... Ty Gibbs was fourth in single lap speed, third in five lap average, first in 10 lap average, first in 15 lap average, and first in 20 lap average. He's no slower than fourth except for qualifying where he qualified sixth. Well, here's the other thing, too, is that even if he doesn't lead laps, um, you have to assume – I think he'll he'll still get some dominator points along the way, whether that's just, you know, coming via yeah. laps or whatever. I think there are three guys or four guys starting in front of him that are going to drop backwards. Probably. Um, but also, like, he's he's affordable and he starts in the top ten. And this is a guy right. that even if even if he just holds his position, he probably doesn't return 5x value without any dominator points. But if you have the two or three dominators that do hit, you can probably deal with Ty Gibbs. And I'd be okay playing him simply because he has track position to start let let other drivers lose the lead lap. If he can just stay and hang in the top 10, maybe he can contend for later, late race uh, dominator points. And dare I say, maybe get his first win. Like Chris Buescher came out of nowhere last year and won this race. And that's kind of actually how the playoffs started last year was just non-playoff drivers winning. Um, but I really love Ty Gibbs. I think in tournament, you're not playing him in cash games. It's way too risky. But Correct. in tournament, tournaments, he is a driver that I do want to be uh, a little more overweight on just for that leverage. Yeah, by the way, Chris Buescher started 20th last year and won. <clears throat> He's starting 20th. Ooh, oh, no. Oh, God. <laughs> He's about to repeat, isn't he? Uh, <laughs> wouldn't put it past him. He's been lightning quick. All um, right, so <clears throat> we, we have a few minutes left here. Yeah. Uh, in, the, in this 30-minute show, that kind of derailed in so many ways. Um. I guess this is good because it can just, you know, draw people to your playbook a little bit more. But do you have any, like, final thoughts or maybe some, like, really good plays that you have no problem giving out here on the podcast? So aside from Larson, which is a lock, right, I, Kevin Harvick is pretty hard to turn down. Um, uh, I like Chase Briscoe. I do like Chase Briscoe. He's run pretty well here in his two concrete races, 13th and 14th. He's also looked good in the last few yeah. intermediates. Uh, Stenhouse, pretty interesting this week. Uh, we'll just we'll just leave it at that. I got to go back to Eric Jones. I'm sorry. I know you people are probably tired of him. <laughs> He's starting 31st. Not an ideal spot to start 31st. However... Over the last few years, we have had success playing Eric Jones at tracks in which he's confident at. Bristol is one of those. He runs pretty well here. Uh, he's run pretty well in intermediate packages of late. They're finding some speed there um, in the 43 car. So 
take a shot. I think a lot of people are going to look. The only the only person I think people are going to play starting outside, like in the thirties, would be Larson. So I think you're going to get some value here in terms of leverage. Will I was going to ask you, I don't know, but yeah, it's it's worth it. I mean, he's seventy four hundred. I think a lot of people are going to look past that too. I think a lot of people still try to cram Todd Gilliland in, and I don't think he's. I I don't even think sailed. No, I I agree with you. Like, I don't even know if he would be optimal with a top twenty-five, even as like a cheap pay down just to open up salary elsewhere. Um, So I'm kind of with you. I could probably get rally around Jones. I mean, even since we started the playoffs and we are running short on time, like he still has top ten in the previous two playoff races, and I'm not predicting a top ten here, but I will say like he can finish top fifteen. Yeah, I mean, he's done it before. Let's put it that way. The the speed, I mean, five-lap average was good. Past that, we're a little questionable, but it's a 500-lap race. They got time to figure it out. Um, so, yeah. All right. Well, Matt, uh, really fun show. Uh, it was. Hit on, a, hit on a lot of topics in 30 minutes. Hopefully, you still... All you, all you good people out there can still come away with a little bit of NASCAR DFS strategy when building your lineups. But, Matt, thank you so much for, much for your time. Best of luck to you for Saturday night's race at Bristol, and best of luck to the FA Nation. Best of luck, FA Nation.